I am Tingan, and this is the Parents in Tech Podcast. In this episode, I speak with Kevin, Global Partner Solutions Lead. Kevin is dad to twins, a boy and a girl age six. Hey Kevin, welcome to the Parents in Tech Podcast. Very excited to have you on the show today. And to begin with, could you tell us a bit more about your family? Thanks, Jin, and such a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me and my colleagues on your podcast. Heard so much about it. What can I say? I'm 48 years old. My wife and I have been living in Singapore for a little bit under two years. We're both uh, born and raised in Malaysia, and um, we've lived in the Seattle area in the United States for the last 20-odd years of our lives. And we moved to Singapore, you know, right at the kind of the end of the COVID period, and uh, we moved here in early September 2021. And we have two young children that's about to turn six years old with twins, uh, boy and a girl. And here, I'll f- your, your audience just won't be able to see this, but I'll flash it to you anyway. So Aww. at least you can see who they are. This. And they're looking forward to celebrating their sixth birthday here in Singapore. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, 20 years in Seattle, sounds like you and your family were pretty settled there. Also, you know, you had your kids when you were in the US. What led to this huge life change for you and your family? Well, well, thanks for asking. Uh, that's a, probably one of the most common questions we get all the time from our friends and our colleagues and even our family. We, we had a great life in Seattle. I was working for Microsoft over there, uh, companies I've worked for for almost 24 years. And living in the Seattle area was really a fun, enjoyable, and enriching experience for for us. And we probably could have spent the rest of our lives there. But when we had our kids, which is a story in of itself, my wife and I felt that we wanted to raise them in a culture that we grew up with, grew up in. And I was, you know, I grew up in my early years in Penang, and my wife grew up in her early years in both Setiawan and KL. And we felt that for our kids, especially in their early stages of their lives, we wanted to expose them in really Southeast Asian or Malaysian Singaporean culture. So it was a natural thing for us to think about where we wanted to raise them, the experiences we wanted them to have, proximity to my parents who are aging, they're in their early 80s. And just having family, cousins close by is an experience we wanted them to have. Like I said, living in the in the US was awesome, but when, when you don't have close friends and relatives, cousins around you, it's a very different thing altogether. So we wanted to bring them back here so that they could have those experiences. Beautiful. So it's really about helping them to understand their roots, understand where they grew up from. But I know that's really like division and having just gone through a house move locally in Singapore with two young kids, man, it was exhausting and it's challenging <laughs> for you moving halfway across around the world. I would imagine that takes a lot more effort. So maybe tell me a bit more about the challenges with the move, right? The logistics of it. Perhaps what was the most challenging part and how did you and your wife overcome it together with your two kids? Wow. You know, you, when, you, when you mentioned it, it made me visualize the mountain of stuff we had in our living room when we were clearing our house. We're not pack rats, right? We, you know, the, the common thing about many American households is you buy a lot of stuff. It's a very consumer-oriented uh, society. So you buy a lot of stuff and you you can't even park your cars and your garage is full of stuff. I don't think we're like that by any measure. 
but 20 years of life, you do collect a few things. And when you are trying to move uh, halfway around the world and with kids, you just had to, the, and knowing that we were going to come to Singapore, we had no idea where we were going to live, but we knew we, obviously we were going to be in Singapore. We probably would go, was going to be in a condo somewhere. So going from you know, a, a very comfortable, sizable house to a smaller condominium, we knew we had to do some adjustments, right? So the, the first thing we did was oh, we had to get rid of all this stuff. If you can just visualize a living room with stuff that, you know, you just came to the conclusion that you just don't need it, but we're never going to use, right? All our winter clothing, sports equipment, stuff that we could just get rid of. You know, two golf bags that we're never going to use. Mountain of stuff. We probably did 20 trips to Goodwill. And they, if you think of Goodwill in Seattle, it'll be the equivalent of like, what would be that charity organization in Singapore? That Salvation, Salvation Army. Army. Right. Yes. So imagine I did 20 trips over there just to get rid of stuff. So just reorienting our household to life in, in a foreign country, in a different country was something that we had to do. So re really adjusting to the space that we anticipate that we would not have and getting our family ready and finding our kids new schools was another thing we had to do. And mind you, doing it overseas without really having a, a deeper understanding. Awesome thing is obviously our kids are young. They were four years old when we moved. So they were clearly a lot more adaptable than the adults, right? We are the ones who probably had to adjust more than the kids. The kids were... We're just looking forward to new experiences that change. So that was probably the easier part, with the exception of just them getting acclimated to the weather and the warmth and all that, but which they're totally fine right now. And honestly, if I, if I step back and looking back at the move, which has happened during the COVID period, uh, we were very blessed to have the support of Microsoft in just arranging for a big household move. I remember the truck coming over to the house and... You imagine those big, uh, I think 40, 40 foot trucks or whatever, and accumulating the chores to get rid of most of our furniture. We didn't move most of our furniture and just helping pull things together. And we had a timeline and how, how we want to gather things and um, prepare for the move. But throughout the period of time, our, our kids were just um, obviously anticipating. They were asking, are we moving? Are we going tomorrow? Are we going tomorrow? And we had to tell them, no, it'll be coming up. But is one of those things whereby we had looked forward to the move for quite a quite a while. Uh, we were anticipating. In fact, when I started on the roll, I started on a roll probably about close to two months before we actually did the physical move, right? Because and remember, it was during the COVID period. The immigration wasn't so easy at the time. We were waiting for our passes to be approved and that sort of thing. But I was working late hours, as you can imagine, Seattle time and Singapore time. And when the time came, right, once again, remember, this was during the COVID period, right? So not the airports were empty and all that. And we arrived and all the, the swab tests and all sort of thing. And if you remember, spending 14 days in quarantine in a, uh, an apartment. So we were very lucky to get like a two-bedroom service apartment, if I recall. Yeah. And so it wasn't too bad. It, it, was, it, 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 it was better than we expected, but we finally made it over here. Got it. Got it. Thanks a lot for sharing that, Kevin. And, and I think what I'm most curious about is also how you and your wife got your children ready for the move, right? It is significant. It means uprooting their lives, their friends, whatever that they used to, the space even. Mm. 
how does that look like in terms of the preparation now, especially in hindsight, right? What do you think you did well? What did you, what would you do differently if you had the chance? You know, you asking that question reminded me of a mini party that my kids preschool had arranged for them to say goodbye to them, right? So they were, they had as best as any three, four year old could do their, you know, social bonds within the context of their preschools, right? In the greater Seattle area. And uh, the teachers had arranged for a little small party to wish them goodbye and all that. And, you know, they were like missing their friends and that sort of thing. But I think being four-year-olds, they're a whole lot more adaptable than us adults, right? For them, looking forward to the novelty and the idea of, you know, being in a different country was something that we had talked about with them. In anticipation of the move, we had watched videos, YouTube videos of Singapore, right? All the touristy videos you can think of, you know, giving them an idea, okay, this is a country you're going to be moving to. You're going to be closer to your grandparents in Malaysia. We're going to, you're going to make new friends. You're going to find a new school. Those things kind of stirred up their imagination. It stirred up the interest a little bit. Obviously, the move, the time came very quickly. And so that I think other than the, the logistics of actually preparing for the move, which obviously we had a lot to do, I think overall, I think we were blessed that things went really, really smoothly. And like I said, we even even the quarantine period, right, you know, went on pretty well. And we had, we adapted to that. Like I said, it could have been much worse because I think it was, I think Singapore had three weeks before we switched it to two weeks, if you remember that, right? Yeah, yeah. And after that, we switched to our temporary um, apartments, which was yeah. in great world. And that was a very comfortable place once again. So that, yeah. um, we're really appreciative to Microsoft that helped us really make the move as comfortable as possible yeah. for obviously my wife and myself and the two kids. That's awesome. So tell me, what's one surprise you had about Singapore when you and your family came here? I'm sure, of course, you heard a lot, researched a lot, spoke to people, Microsoft helped, but I'm sure there were still surprises. Tell me one. You know, obviously, you know, from a from a cultural point of view, it's the main reason for coming here to begin with was really to reconnect with our roots and to enable our children to kind of build these roots and to build social bonds with both new friends that they would make and also our family and our extended family, right? So that was the thing. Uh, not to mention the, our language, right? We, we wanted to build up their Mandarin skills and what better place to do that and to, be, to do it in Singapore. And what was amazing was even from the point that we landed, and once again, COVID period, right? Our colleagues and friends, people whom I, I probably barely knew because starting in this, this new role in Microsoft in Singapore were warm, they were reaching out, they were sending toys and gifts for the kids, food for us. Once again, remember, you can't see them, right? So they would send stuff up to the hotel and all that, sorry, the, the service problem we were staying at, just to make us comfortable and make us help us kind of get at home. So it wasn't necessarily a surprise, but it was such an endearing, warm feeling that within your first day, we got people welcoming us and people who hardly knew me, didn't know, never met my kids before and just welcoming us to Singapore. So that was such a pleasant experience, which was nice to start our Singaporean journey that way, right? Yeah. So it was less, less, like I said, less of a surprise per se, because I think we, we've done our research. We were all the main things about if you move your family halfway around the world, where yeah. you're going to live, what, where you're going to send your kids to school, yep. uh, what's your primary transportation going to be, all those yeah. fundamental things I think we had worked out. So I think they were, we were prepared for that. It was just 
just such a nice thing to be able to have the warmth of these new social bonds that we were, we were able to create. Once again, it's because of my colleagues at Microsoft and also the business partners I was working with just to, to, build, to very quickly launch into effectively this new life. Makes sense. Makes sense. No, no, I think that that's really nice. And what, what a warm way, right? Even though Microsoft is such a large organization, their personal touch is very real. And I can see that from how, even though it's something that's almost two years ago, it's something that you still remember. And I think that's, that's incredibly valuable. Yeah. Now, maybe if we could shift gears a little, Kevin, let's talk a bit about the role of technology in your life as mm -hmm. a father, right? Um, you know, kids these days are glued to screens. When when my kids start to melt down, the fastest way, which probably might be not the best thing, it's to just turn on a screen and it's an instant pacifier. So I'm curious, what does uh, the real technology screens and all of that look like in your life as a father? Because that's also what you work as in your profession. Yeah, yeah. Well, well. First of all, I've read the research, I've seen the videos, I've listened to the experts. I get it. You know, screens, uh, extend too much screen time is not good for, for children. I, I get that. But I, true confessions, right? And, and once again, living here, we, where we are blessed to have the support of a, of domestic help, right? A helper, as you guys would call it, versus in, in living 20 years in Seattle and then for the first four years of their lives where we had no help, right? When we brought the kids home, right? And that's a story in itself, which we can cover after this part is it was my wife and myself and the kids. We, we had the support of an au pair. And if you, if you don't, for those of your audiences who don't know what an au pair is, it's a program. It's kind of like a, a nanny, but not quite, right? It's very limited, very restricted. They do live in, but they only work certain hours of the day. They, they only do things specifically to help the, the, the kids. They don't work on weekends. You pay them. But and yeah, typically, usually young, either post-college or even around college age. Got it. So we had a little bit of help. So the, the, the big aspect and big transition of having kids and then moving over here is just a, this is a support system in of itself. Once again, we had no, we really effectively didn't have any relatives when they were born and we brought them back to, to, back yeah. to Seattle. Yeah. And then we brought yeah. them to Singapore at least. Well, I think progressively we, we, we did get a helper and that did make a difference. And then once again, another big blessing being in Singapore where the access to domestic help is available. And I think I know many of my colleagues and many of society in Singapore has, has that facility, has that opportunity and just give people the opportunity to kind of have very vibrant careers as a result of that. But if you ask me about the big fundamental differences, I think that will be one big aspect of it. And it does make a difference because once again, Jun, I think you, I mentioned earlier, I have twins, right? They're, they are vibrant, energetic, demanding at times. And, and I think my wife and I, who had kids you know, probably later in life than most yeah. people, I'm 48 years old, my kids are six. You know, it does make a difference. Um, you know, our energy levels are not the same. Right. Yeah, yeah. So to have a little bit of support, a little bit of help with the aspects of raising kids and the For household sure. and that sort of thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, Kevin, I want to dial back a bit to the part where you had twins mm. and you had minimal help. At best, the all pair, right? But mm. that just sounds absolutely crazy because now I have two young kids and they're not even twins, but it's already tough enough to, to manage them. And, and like you, I have a helper. So what was it like in the first pretty much six years, right? When you were in Seattle, 
when I, I presume both you and your wife were working? Like, how do you make that work? Well, first of all, let me address the, the origin story a little bit, right? Because we had intended to have twins. And that's a story in of itself because it's worth mentioning because we had kids late in life uh, mainly because we we couldn't. My wife and I have always wanted children, but we, we tried IVF. We even tried adoption. Didn't work. The way our children came about was through commercial surrogacy. And, and for most of your audiences who may not be aware, commercial surrogacy works is you pay, literally pay somebody to have a kid for you. And the surprising thing for, for most people is we did it in the country of Ukraine, right? So we had a Ukrainian surrogate right. and we had a Ukrainian egg donor. Right. And remember, we were in Seattle and the agency organized everything, the clinic yeah. organized everything. It's probably an extended conversation to go through that, but effectively that we had wanted twins, right? You know, yep. we were effectively catching up and we, we've always wanted to, we wanted a child to have a sibling and say, you know what, we're late in life. We wanted to have kids. Let's just get it done. Right. So, yep. so working with the third, working with the agency, we, we went down the path of aiming to have twins and we had twins. Right. So that's obviously a lot of technicalities behind there, yep. but, we knew, I kind of, I guess we knew what we were getting into yep. and we knew the support system that we had and didn't have living in Seattle. So when we brought the kids home, we had probably arranged for the au pair in advance of that. I think the au pair that we got, yeah, I remember it was from Thailand. So that made, even though it was very restricted, it's nowhere near what most Singaporean helpers can do because there are limited hours and what they can do. They can only do stuff that's related to the kid. They don't clean the house or anything like that it really lifted the burden a lot for my wife and I. So that, that was the main, main difference. The second big thing I wanted to call out was even the time when we went to Kiev, Ukraine to pick up the kids, because you have to be there in anticipation for the kids to be born. I was working. So I had the flexibility to work remotely. And once again, it was an outcome of Microsoft's work policies, hybrid work policies to allow people to really to, to work anywhere. And I was doing that remotely while waiting for the kids to be born. And that obviously, you know, is my time management requirements because I, I had a global role. So I was working with both partners and customers in different parts of the world and my colleagues in Seattle. It allowed me to do that uh, from wherever I was. So that was one advantage of that. Second thing is we had a purpose and our purpose was really to to welcome our new kids into our lives so we had to be there with my wife had never been to ukraine before i've only been there once just to do the paperwork but in anticipation for the kids to be born right we were preparing as much as we could for their arrival so buying if you can everything that you did at china in preparing for your kids we had to do right we had to yeah, we had to get the double stroller. We had to yeah. get two cribs for my care. I assembled it. We had friends who gave us clothing, uh, yeah. all this kind of stuff. And mind you, we had zero baby experience, right? Yep. Forget about even the, just not just doing it via surrogate, just zero baby experience of any kind. We didn't have our parents or our in, my in-laws yep. there with us. So we had to build a support system in Seattle with the f close friends that we had. And that was amazing for us, right? But it's nothing like having grandparents or relatives or, or even a helper, right? So we did the best that we could and we were very blessed to have what we have. For sure. Now, fast forward even moving to Singapore itself, right? Yeah. And 
And like I said, I mean, we, we're living in a much smaller place now, but it honestly, it didn't really matter because what mattered was, was the, as they grew, their needs changed, their needs evolved, right? And we put them in uh, in, in the kindergarten here and we, changed, we, we, we moved about a year ago and we changed it to a different kindergarten. But the kids were all about these experiences. They were all about what Singapore could offer them. They were all about the friends that would, they would meet. Uh, on weekends, we take them to uh, classes like Taekwondo and drama class. So they would build new social bonds that way. A lot ultimately came about was this whole pathway to enrichment, this pathway to new experiences, new friends that they would make. And we got a lot of, of supporting them through throughout this journey. And you, you could argue probably the last six years since the time that they were born to moving here has been quite a whirlwind, uh, as you can imagine. No, that sounds like a really incredible kind of experience and a journey that you and your wife have been through. You know, but the, the truth, Kevin, it's tough things when it comes to parenting. And I feel like you're further here in the journey with both your kids at six years old. Like this morning, just dealt with my elder daughter having a, a slight meltdown on the way to school. So there are these challenging moments, right? I'm curious about how you and your wife manage it. What are some of the things that you do towards, yeah, just talking, educating, encouraging, being there for your kids? What, what does that look like? Sure. If, if, if I look at the course of the kids from the time they were born till now, and, and I reflect on the key highlights or even lowlights of the challenging moments from the time of their birth, the thing that comes to mind, like these are little moments, right? It will be like sleep training, right? I'm a, we, we're looking back right now, we're huge believers in sleep training, whereby you would take all the techniques that we learned uh, from all the experts out there about what you should and shouldn't do to kind of ensure that your kids are sleeping through the night. That in isolation was probably one area that we, a big challenge that we address by learning all the different techniques from all the different experts out there about what you should and shouldn't do, what to feed them and all that. And when they were born, they were, we spent about, about, you know, about a month in Ukraine waiting for, waiting for all the immigration work to be done and all that. We hired a, a Ukrainian nanny who, barely spoke any English and somehow it came up, she taught us, okay, the feeding schedules, what, you know, and that's sort of thing. We wrote it down. And these are obviously baby stages, right? Yeah. Obviously we're beyond that, but going back to the challenges when you have zero knowledge about what it takes to raise a handle a baby, much less two babies, right? Twins, right? That was quite the um, process that we went through. Because once again, no knowledge to having twins. And once again, the first month in a, in a, land, in a country that, that you know, we don't speak the language in, as foreign as it can be, in anticipation of bringing them back to the US. Think about that from a challenge point of view. Then as we, led, as we got to life back in Seattle, raising the kids from, from, from effectively one till four, right? Getting them into schools, getting them into just the process. And they are very, once again, if I reflect on their personality types, they're both very high energy. They're very verbose. They're very expressive. They're very different personalities altogether. And they have, and I think that the challenge and the, the demand for, for us as the parents was to, because remember they're twins, was to recognize their differences because they both have very unique, Anna and Aaron have very unique uh, personalities. And, you know, Anna is very, 
how would I put it? They're both emotional in different ways, but they are both expressive of their emotions in also very different ways. And it was a lesson for us to kind of recognize their individuality because they are very, they are different. But at the same time, noting the the fact that they are twins has a certain bond and connectedness and competitiveness because of them. The, the level of sibling rivalry between the two is is it is <laughs> it's pretty crazy actually. So the, is it, how do you hand? You know, we it's, it goes beyond just getting two things for both of them so they don't so they don't fight. It goes beyond that. It is it is recognizing their both unique needs, their, their how they would want to be communicated with, how they want to handle certain challenges between mom and dad, and how they handle errors, how they play, how they art, how they fight, and they do argue quite a fair bit, mind yep. you, right? Yeah. But as they as they grow up a little bit more, what we are noticing that yeah, the personality differences even more pronounced. And as much as we want to do a one to two model whereby, oh, we just want to do one time and do we have to recognize that they both have different needs. And give you one example, like um, you know, Anna really likes the drama class that we signed them to. Aaron, not so much. Aaron would like the STEM class that we were assigned to expose them to. We, we want to expose both of them to sports. Both of them are in Taekwondo right now. I'm not sure whether both of them will take on to the, take on to the same level that they would, but we want to expose, give them both the opportunity. So yep. we're just trying to anticipate not just skill set, but af- what affinities they have, mm. what natural abilities that they have that may yeah. be unique to one and another, and and fundamentally what they need from us as parents to support them so that they can thrive in yeah. their own individual ways. Absolutely. And I really like the approach because it's so nuanced. You are really about helping them to explore, help them to understand themselves and, and not placing that pressure, right? That you have to do things a certain way or there are certain activities that have to be done. I think that in itself, it's very much the kind of parenting style that I aspire towards and would certainly love to. So we've spoken a lot about your parenting experiences, your wisdom and the journey you have came through. So Kevin, can you share a bit about how being a parent has changed or shaped the way you are a leader at the workplace? Well, you know, I, I'll borrow on, this, on what we had just talked about a moment ago, right? If I look at my kids and I've been a parent of twins, right, who are very, who have a mind of, they don't, they, they, they don't fail to remind you they have their preferences. They don't fail to remind you that they have their needs, right? And even though, there's twins as a unit, they are individuals. So I think working with people at where they are, right? Working with them, recognizing where people are coming from, from the point of where they're coming from to the direction of where they want to get to, I think is fundamentally important. So from a leadership context, we all have perspectives about the goals, the opportunities, the targets, the direction that we want to get to and we want our teams to get to. We all want to meet certain objectives, and we have uh, we work with people all around us. You know, another blessing that I have is to, to work with such a, a, a team, an amazing team of talented individuals, talented professionals, who not only you know, bring the best of themselves to what they do every day, but the certain passion and love for partners, which is what I do in my day job, that they bring it to the challenge, they meet those challenges with the, ut- with the utmost professionalism, with the utmost intent in helping our partners be successful. 
the point is, you know, as a parent, the, the big takeaway I've learned is, is recognizing individual individual needs differently, recognizing where individual capacities, individual aspirations. Right? Once again, parents of twins, right? They all have, I, as much as I want to kind of create this uniform perspective of what my kids want, they have different needs and different aspirations and, and learning to address that can be challenging, but it's something that we, as a parent and as a leader, we have to do. People have they, they have different perspectives about about the direction of where they want to get to. They want to people want to run their careers, yes. and I think it's our duty and our role as a leader and even as a parent is to kind of be in support of our our whether it's our children, whether yeah. it's our 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 teams, our colleagues. Yeah. so that people can bring the best of themselves to, to the challenges that they face every single day. And I think the reward at the very end of the day, Chinan, is to, to see whether it's your team at work, whether it's your children, or whether the, the others that you have in your stewardship achieve their greatest goals. And I think there's nothing more rewarding than and seeing others uh, attain those uh, accolades, whether it's accolades or, or challenges that you resolve or or milestones that they want to get to that we all have a role to play in helping others achieve that. Yeah, Kevin, I think you could have said it better, right? The role of a parent and the role of a leader, it's really similar. It's really to unlock the potential, to support, to provide a platform for both our children as well as the people that you're leading. Well, thank you so much, Kevin, for being so forthcoming and so candid with us sharing. I wish we could go on this conversation longer. Maybe we need to have you on for a part two. But, you know, it's been such a joy to speak with you today. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Chinan, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure speaking with you. And, and thank you for what you're doing with this podcast. I think more than ever before, uh, the community of parents out there need resources like this because, you know, it's not an easy task. It's not an easy job to do. And we need all the help that we can get. Absolutely. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Parents in Tech podcast with me, your host, Tingen. We hope you were inspired on how to raise kids and build companies. To catch up on earlier episodes or stay updated with upcoming ones, head over to www.parents.fm to join our community of parents in tech. There, you can also drop me a question, idea, feedback, or suggestion. Once again, the website is www.parents.fm. That's all for this episode, folks. See you next time.